Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess. Every week I bring on a guest to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share our favorite hobby. My guest this week is my dear friend Caitlin, and we are here to talk about using, or not using, things that inspire us. But before we jump too deep into it, Caitlin, it's been, uh, it's been since our episode on romance that listeners may have heard from you, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi again, uh, I'm Caitlin. I've been gaming since ooh, college now, which is further away than I like to admit to anybody. I know that we're feeling. Gonna, we're going to pretend it's not that far. <laughs> um, but uh, I kind of came from gaming in sort of a backwards way, I like to say, when I usually introduce it to myself to people okay. about this, where I went from like basically diceless systemless parlor larp kind of stuff mm-hmm. and eventually like worked my way through beige the awakening was as complicated as i was going to get with dice for a long time i and, can understand that and now now i run a long-term pathfinder campaign first edition i guess second edition is finally coming out yeah which i'm fairly excited for that i I don't even know i'm just like not even gonna look at it i'm like i already have these books and there are plenty of things and i'm sure they improved upon and i'm sure they'll do excellent stuff with it but i'm like i'm too deep too deep Uh, but see if you're not buying two or three hundred dollars worth of new books every couple of years then are you really gaming properly Yes, yes, you are. You know, they could always employ me in the industry, and then I'd be more than happy to give them the money back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of the industry, that's, I guess, going to be my segue into this. (laughs) It was a bad one, but don't worry about it. Uh, There are so many things that come from... The world of published literature, the world of like pre-made campaigns, of movies, of music, of everything that informs the sorts of fiction that we like to explore when we play. What I want to talk about today is when something gets stuck in my craw, some nifty little fictional idea where I'm like, oh. I want to put that into a game. Because before we started recording, when I brought this topic up to you, <laughs> you had a really interesting reaction to that. Uh, yeah, which is, first off, first off, I want to say, crawl, great word. Right? Love it, love it. So Southern. Um, but yeah, my, my natural reaction to, oh, hey, I love this thing. I want to put it in a game, my instinctual reaction is please don't please don't um tell me a bit more about that so i have found in my experience and this is your mileage may vary territory as many things are yeah i have found in my experience that when people particularly take an inspiration from something Mm -hmm. and like very much follow it through which isn't to say that i haven't like taken little ideas and just them in there of course but a lot of people will like take inspiration go i want to tell like almost the same exact story Mm. and i found that the execution can be really poor because one of the instrument the instrumental differences between 
games, which are collective fiction, right. and books, or anime, or any sort of TV show, is that they are... They're telling you a story. Yeah, they're crafted fiction. Like, you know, when presented the same exact situation, like out of Lord of the Rings, you're not going to necessarily get your characters taking that ring to the big old volcano. You're going to get them, like, you know trying to figure out some other way to do stuff or just going like, why don't we just confront Saruman or something to that effect? Sure, And sure. I've seen it done in a variety of ways. I, um, I once actually got dropped into a uh, campaign because we had like just joined. Mm-hmm. I had gotten kind of dropped into the campaign because it made sense. Uh, in a couple, like in a couple of sessions where they're literally trapped in Hotel California. But, like, the fantasy medieval equivalent of Hotel California. Interesting. You can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. More importantly, um, the Game Master had actually done a thing where it's like, uh, there's the line about you can stab it with your steely knives, but you, but just, you just can't, can't kill, kill the beast. beast. Of course. So he had actually taken that, put a monster in the dining room, because it was the feast area okay and made the damage reduction like way 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 crazy for adamantine and silver being the things that would overcome it except nobody had that oh so like it was kind Hmm. of like i i run into a lot of points in time where people have taken the inspiration a little too far and that's very easy to do oh yeah well and it's entire it's an entirely i'm so good at talking today uh one of the things that always hits me is very interesting is you see a lot of stories and a lot of games that are built around this idea of the magical high school Mm -hmm. this very harry potter-esque like I'm going to make a mage game, but we're all teenagers. <laughs> or I'm going to make D&D High School, which I talked a lot about on this podcast over the last year. And for anyone with particularly sharp memories, that campaign might not be coming, but something else is. Anyway. Ominous. Oh, yeah. I, I love to <laughs> drop in ominous little teasers. Uh, point being with that, though, this idea of... I want to take this element and put my twist on it, I think is something that can be done delicately and play very well. I think what you said about it being taken too far is the really antithetical point to that. Mm -hmm. Where, like, nobody wants to go up against the monster that they can't kill because that's a line in the song. Like, that sucks. But, you know, you turned me onto the book uh, Children of Blood and Bone, which I've just recently started reading, and a big part of that, at least in the early chapters that they keep mentioning, because I'm only on, like, chapter 10, don't spoil anything, is they ride, like, giant cat things, but all of them have horns and antlers, and it's like, what is this? I want to play with riding cats. That's a cool (laughs) idea that I would love to put into something. Yes, but do your riding cats turn into a large robot? And that no, wait, different different they genre. They could. 
They could. Tell me they can't and I will fight you. Also, a uh, quick side note. Uh, the author, Tommy Adeyemi's, like, Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook and everything is just so ridiculously adorable. Given all of the descriptions of things and how, like, beautifully visual her style is, I would imagine there's a lot of fan art that gets, like, sent to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the stuff is so super cool. Uh, I, yeah, no, we're gonna plug this book. Just, like, go read it. It's a good-ass book. It's really good. Uh, but what I really meant with bringing that up is not necessarily taking elements wholesale from mm-hmm. the things that we like, but using that inspiration to uh, essentially using it as a springboard mm-hmm. and saying like, hey, this part of this thing is really cool. I don't want to run a Children of Blood and Bone game. Mm-hmm. I do, but that's an entirely different story <laughs> because that world is fascinating but what i want to do is take the ideas that i might not have come across on my own or that aren't built into the settings that we typically get pre-built and weave them into my own fiction Mm -hmm. and and that's really the best way to do it but i can also find when that happens sometimes Mm -hmm. it suddenly seems like you've got an element like really out of left field suddenly in either a setting that people are somewhat familiar with because it's been in a book or or like an actual setting book or something Mm -hmm. like you know or suddenly it's like i've got it it's kind of like in its own way if you're world building for something or like you know you have to be very careful in that not to like just suddenly insert something that right. you've been looking at into something you've already been doing. Like the idea yeah. of like writing an entire one shot around something that inspires you can be fantastic because you're like, oh, I really kind of like this antlered cat thing. I yeah. would love to put something like that into a little like, you know, adventure I'm doing and kind of build stuff off of that. On the other hand, I've had people who have just been like, I really have enjoyed watching Downton Abbey lately. So this entire module is going to be split into like (laughs) trying like a bunch of people trying to marry off their daughter to somebody important. And then half of the other characters, this was a parlor LARP situation, and half of the other characters are, you know, servants. And then it's like, well, it's there are certain people who are actually and that. That that was a very particular thing because there were, um, you know, the the story of that world kind of, like, we didn't play consistently. This wasn't like mm-hmm. a campaign, but the story of the world went on and was influenced by things that would happen in those parlor LARPs. So the people playing the servant characters were like, well, we're not going to be important to the story. There's nothing we can do yeah. as the servants. And it was kind of dissatisfying for people, but the game master was just really into Downton Abbey at the time. And like that, and and that's kind of like that that delicate balancing. Yeah, like, and that's why, that's why before when we talked about this, I was like, it's very strongly like, no, let's not, let's, let's not do your inspiration. I can completely understand where that comes from. And to be honest, I 
was very much looking at it from the point of view like I was reading this cool thing like this this new comic came out and I liked this aspect of the art I'm gonna work it into my three-year-old D&D game that I've been running <laughs> with the same group like every week which is an entirely different side of the problem than yeah. like I like Downton Abbey I'm gonna run a Downton Abbey game. Right. And the problem with that was it wasn't, like, really reflected... The player experience wasn't reflected on. And I do yes. think when you you want to, even if you're including, like, one little element from something that mm -hmm. inspired you recently, I do think that you have to reflect on how your characters, your players, are going to view that. Because you're yeah. just going this is a super cool thing. I'm going to do this now, guys. Like, we are about to go into a tournament arc in our Eberron campaign, yep. which I'm actually super stoked about. I think it's it going to be pretty neat. I think it's going to be super neat. And one of the things is tournament arcs, if you know anime at all, are like a thing in anime. Yes, absolutely. And like, you know, and that's that's clearly an inspiration from anime to do a tournament arc but like we're all kind of jazzed about it because we want a to yeah you know well and i think a big part of why we're all pretty energized and ready for it is we were allowed to know it was coming it wasn't just dropped on us out of nowhere because when you're dealing with something like I'm going to take this kind of narrative structure from this thing that's not a game and put it into the game. That can be disastrous. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not done well and it's not set up, your entire pacing structure can just get kicked out the window. Mm -hmm. We were lucky enough that our GM, Ryan, basically told us, like, hey... I've been setting the seeds for this, and here it comes. And at the end of the session, we were all like, is this a motherfucking tournament arc? He's yeah. like, yeah! And it was like this very fun, energetic reveal. We even got the beach episode we accidentally did. beforehand. Yes. Which it, we were not expecting. For being, that was entirely us, too. Oh, absolutely. 100% <laughs> player-driven, which, like, that's the other side of it. So often I talk about experiences on this show like, hey, fellow GMs out there, when you're running games, here's a fun thing. But like, bringing in something that inspired you is something that players can do sometimes. Yeah. If it's something like, you know, I, uh, I watched The Magicians recently <laughs> and I think it's neat to have like really somatic components with all the finger movements to my wizard. Jess is currently doing finger movements. I, I'm an energetic talker. I'm not Italian, <laughs> but I act like it. No, I'm, I'm be being a very suppressed Italian right now because I don't want to knock the mic over. That's fair. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, but, you know, if you want to come into the game and say, like, hey, here's a nifty little element that's flavor for my character, I think as long as it doesn't conflict with the setting that's established, you're good to go. Now, okay, here's where I'm going to take an interesting counterpoint Please to my own do. counterpoint. Ooh. I feel like one way that inspiration from other things can actually be very helpful for players is new players. Yeah. So I 
have been recently running a lot of uh, Magpie Games masks. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, uh, masks is a teenage superhero game. And the way they do it, they, um, it's powered by the Apocalypse game. So you kind of know what you're getting into. You're given a character sheet and you make some choices. Right. But like, it's not powers driven, it's character type driven. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, one of the character types is the Janus or Janus. I think it's actually said Janus, but I'm not ever certain. Oh, who knows? Um, I don't speak but, Greek. Like, you know, so when I present that character type to people and they're like, well, what is this? I'm like, well, it's Peter Parker's Spider-Man. You know, he's trying to balance his life mm-hmm. as a superhero and his life as a person you know and keep those separate but equal and that's what that character does so sometimes for something like that with a new player and maybe even a new system it's good to have an inspiration potentially from yeah. somewhere well like similarly you can't go into any typical D game without the obvious places that it's built from as a system and a like super generalized setting. Like, mm-hmm. if you're playing D&D and you've never played a role-playing game before and you're like, this feels like Lord of the Rings, that's the point. Right. Now, more interesting stuff is when you're like, okay, I've never played a fantasy game before. I'm really, like, more into science fiction mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you're like, well, how do I play Geordi LaForge in something oh, like yeah. that? And then, like, you... You know, and I think as a game master, you have to both be able to sit down with a new player who's like, look, I don't really know this genre as well. And this is the kind of stuff I might want to play and be able to either work with them or say, hey, that's not going to particularly work in this setting the way you're presenting it to me or in this campaign, the way you're presenting it to me. Here are some options other potential options and like what is it that excites you about Jordi LaForge or whatever we were just playing yeah. a Star Trek game I was the other night so this is the first <laughs> thing that popped into my head oh of course um so like you know what is it that you like about him like what can we like help your character be and I think that's such an interesting way to bring the inspirations that we have from the things that we love into the fold because like playing straight up LeVar Burton, Jordy LaForge in a typical swords and sorcery fantasy game doesn't sound on its face like it will work. But what you really love about the character is the indomitable positivity, the strength through adversity, the drive with curiosity. It's all of these things about him that are like, that's his character. Right. You love that person. You can adapt that easily to pretty much any genre because those are traits right similarly like i like the idea of riding on a big cat maybe there's nothing in a system that lets me ride on a big cat but i don't know maybe there's a meta magic spell and a class thing that i can kind of throw together it's like hey now I've got a golden tiger that I can put some, like, barding armor on and a magic spell lets it talk to me and that's super fun and I'll give it a Russian accent because I have a Russian accent. What are you possibly talking about? <laughs> Tease would like some takoyaki now. 
I hope they listen to this episode. <laughs> we never know. <laughs> da, 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 but you never know. Wait, no, that's not how that goes. That's not. That's <laughs> almost exactly the opposite of what Inspiration. that says. Inspiration. Yeah, exactly. But I guess what it really comes down to for me is this idea that the the things that inspire us don't need to be taken like one to one. But they can be used as launch pads for interesting ideas you might not have had otherwise. And that works whether you're a player or a GM or a writer who's listening to this just for the fun of it or my mom. Take a thing that you think is interesting and think about why you think it's interesting. Yeah, I think that's important. And don't get me wrong... You know, if you're like, I really like the, the Downton Abbey political intrigues or something, <laughs> you know, or if you've read a book that you really, really enjoy. And, like, maybe you're dipping your toe into the GMing or the, um, you know, playing for the first time mm -hmm. or whatever. It's okay to try and do that, but, like, yeah. like to try and just take something almost wholesale and work with it but you've got to understand that again those things are presented as a whole you're going to right. be getting a whole huge chunk from other people and if they're not having as much fun with it you're not going to have as much fun with it i will say that is a major aspect that needs to be considered at every step along the path for this because something that inspires me might be super boring to you and if i'm over here like hey final fantasy style magitech and you're like i literally could not care less <laughs> then my insistence on taking this thing that i like and pushing it in your face might actually be pushing you away from the story that i really want to tell with the elements that i like from the thing right that throws back way to like session zero kind of stuff like oh, yeah. everybody really needs to be on board with like the tone of a game and you don't want mm -hmm. to throw a monkey wrench in to your game yeah. just because you're like well there was a really baller episode of this show and i yeah. really want to like crib something from that i mean like for a personal example of almost exactly that in our eberron game i started playing Doc the Medic Warforged. Largely because I wanted to play a healer and I like robots. I'm like, yeah, cool. This'll be good for me. And as time went by, I realized more and more that I didn't mesh with how that character worked in the universe and in the, like, the, the style of story that was trying to be told. Mm -hmm. So I talked with our GM and I was like, hey, I'm... I'm going to send him off out into the world where he'll do better at something else. And I'm going to bring in a character who's more attuned to this sort of like pulp fictiony swashbuckly sort of style that we seem to be gravitating toward. And a big part of that was I had been listening to a lot of the Adventure Zone. Mm. And I took a great deal of inspiration from the way that they interacted with and meshed with the story that was being told. 
and I realized I'll have a lot more fun if I'm actually interacting with the world in a more sort of, I don't want to say goofy way, but a way that gears itself more toward levity that doesn't break things. Because mm -hmm. before that, like, Doc's whole thing was, I'm a robot who makes poop jokes. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of mileage to that. And I feel like when we allow ourselves to really invest in what is actually happening, because here's the cool thing, you can take inspiration from the game itself. If you're sitting around the table and one of your players just, like, throws out an offhand line or suggestion and that twigs with you, grab onto it. Yeah, uh, welcome to exactly why you guys were in a pyramid in the desert for, like, months and months and months. You mean that wasn't a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure reference? No, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I refused to watch that show because the first episode made me so angry. Oh, it's fine. I don't uh, think that was even... Actually, no, the caravan itself. I always intended for you to get shoved in the pyramid, but the mm. caravan and Kem, mm -hmm. who is now a major character hanging out with yours all the time. Oh, yeah. For like, various reasons. Upgraded from bit side character to recurring, if not regular. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I need to bring the map girl back. I've got her somewhere in my back pocket. Yeah, why not? I, I don't... It's just, like, there's so many... You, so many NPCs you guys have forced me to make off the cuff that, uh, and kept them. Yeah, and you love you all of them very to dearly. You kill Lizod or run away from Lizod. Hey, hey, hey. And now he Always runs... love your characters. He runs your country. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> so, we've hit about the point in the episode... Where I want to transition the conversation a little bit away from, we're talking theory and ideas and more, not, not like, let's talk about concrete things. But if we were to put into practice some of the things that we've discussed over the last 25-ish minutes, what does a game look like when you're focusing on utilizing things that inspire you? Oof, I really kind of want to like jack this a little bit Do in it. the in this sort of thing. I have recently been uh, been reading uh, Naomi Novik's Spinning Silver. Now, before I recommend this book to anyone, which I really do, mm -hmm. she hits some really heavy topics in this. Mm -hmm. So we're talking. There's anti-Semitism. She hits and handles really well. There is uh, familial abuse. Ooh. There is uh, women, basically, because it is set in an era of, like, Russian czars and czarinas kind uh -huh. of thing. Like, that kind of time frame in a fictional country. And there's, like, women who are being traded like commodities. So it's all handled really well, and it's really, like, it's all told from the women's point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, so, like, she's saying these things are not really okay, and that these women are powering through it. But I want to put that out there before I go. And like, you must read this book because yeah, I know that book, some... But content yeah, warning. Yeah, but like content warning, if this stuff is going to trigger you, I completely understand. Fabulous book. But that is not any of that stuff that I want to talk about. This book has so much. 
crazy fae shit in the background. Uh-huh. And I am nothing if not a sucker for fae stuff. Talk to Elle, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, talk to Nico, all of our friends who have witnessed me, like, basically, like, I will do this sort of thing. And I ran for a while a Changeling the Lost campaign. Mm-hmm. And God, if I was to do something again right now with Changeling the Lost, I would probably be really heavily inspired by this because of uh, there's like yeah. a winter kingdom, you know, and this winter kingdom of the Fae is like encroaching upon the human kingdoms. And that's really bad in Tsar and Tsarina time because that's famines. You know, oh. that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff um, and a lot of traditionally Fae stuff deals with, like, different spring, summer, autumn, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm about to say fall because that's totally the fourth season. Yes. But winter, spring, summer, and fall, and one of the most um, interesting things that Elle did in their game that they just ran without... Um, without like spoiling any of that plot because if anybody winds up at a convention and playing in that game i Which, don't want to you know if if you get the chance to play with l do yes um their game actually addressed the fact that the spring and autumn courts were feeling very encroached upon by summer and winter because climate change. Oh, snap. Because, like, the the fey courts were becoming unbalanced because of climate change. And so then reading this book, I'm sitting here and going, oh, the winter is really fucking things up for people. Yeah. Because they keep on bringing the cold in an area where that's your crops, that's your livelihood, that's mm-hmm. all your livestock, dead, dead, dead. And, like, you know, and so, like, I don't want to... Like, I'm so enthused about this sort of thing. Absolutely. But I also don't want to be just recreating plots that I know other right. people have made. Like L, Like Naomi Novik, author of Spinning Silver. But um, I, I think what it really... One thing that you've really touched upon with that that I love is this idea that there are systems out there that can accommodate these things. Right. Like, say you're reading through Spinning Silver. Spinning Silver? Yes. And you want to do, hey, I I want to see a fairy intrigue court during the Napoleonic invasion of Russia. Do like, your history research well, first. Yeah. <laughs> but throw that into World of Darkness and it's right. like a mixed mortal and changeling campaign. Yeah. Sure. Perfect. Or say you want to, I, I don't know, you like... Um, Secret of Nim. Mm. Play Mouse Guard. Yeah, that would be a good one. Like they're... if you're more along the lines of like Wind in the Willows, though, then you've got Forest Him and Picnic. Yes, which is delightful. Uh, so yeah, that's a very good place to start. Like find your inspiration and then find a system that accommodates what you want to be playing around mm-hmm. in that. There are several great resources that you can find online where essentially, if you want to look at really quick blurbs of all right give me like 30 different systems to look at and tell me the basic gist of Mm. them uh one that i go to a lot is uh i think it's procopets on tumblr p-r-o-k 
O P E T Z. If I remember correctly, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> it's basically just like a a gaming enthusiast, and one of the things that they've done recently is done this exhaustive list of various systems, indie or otherwise, and what they're about and what you can do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you can also look at different creators on Twitter. You can mm-hmm. basically look at the wikis for all of these different things. I feel like also saying, um, if you can think of it, there's probably a Powered by the Apocalypse game for it. There are like a, there's a, a couple hundred of those, depending on really, how far you're willing to go. Yeah, and they do really like, you know, like that's the first thing I think of because it's like, if you want to do Mad Max, you do apocalypse world if you want to do young justice you can do masks if you want to do you know because they're they are very thematically strong and i guess that's that sort of thing if you're looking for lord of the rings there's so many different systems you can choose from that do like so many d20 systems or dungeon world or that sort of thing but if you're looking for a very particular niche feel you can probably, yeah, just find a particular system yeah, that the... really serves that concept. Right. Because, uh, you know... Uh, hmm. At the very least, you could jury-rig something. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, if I want to play a game inspired by Gundam, where not necessarily, like, oh, I want giant robot fights, but I want to deal with the idea of, like, child soldiers in science fiction futuristic combat. I can find a game with giant robot fights and mm-hmm. I can tweak it to be like, all right, these giant robots are all piloted by horny teenagers. Oh, God. And is, I accidentally just topics. described Darling in the Franks. Don't watch that show. It's not very good. <laughs> kind of gross. Anyway. All of those concepts are need to be handled with care. Child soldiers horny teenagers yeah get your safety tools out there first people yeah yeah Mm. yeah the the high potential for ickiness hit me a little little later that's okay i i I was gonna make sure that we put that out there for the uh the the yeah and then so like that's a great way to start a campaign and then we were talking earlier about how you do a character and that sort of thing absolutely you know whether or not you are looking at a campaign uh, like looking at doing something like masks and you're Mm -hmm. like well i've watched young justice and i really want to play like a ms martian type character and they're like okay well you're either going to want to go for the nova or the outsider or something like when we were describing before you really like something from a science fiction thing but you know, we're tossing you into a fantasy campaign. You know, what yeah. are the aspects of the character that can translate? Let's say you like Zoe Washburn a whole lot. There's Aww. so many easy ways to translate that into a fantasy campaign and make yeah. your badass fighter. Well, and there are also a lot of ways, depending on how much tweaking you want to do, to take pretty much any more open system and say you have you want to play Firefly. Mm-hmm. But all you have is Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. It'll take some doing, and it'll probably take a significant amount of homebrewing. See but... that that would be one that I would be like, nah, don't don't do that. Don't don't take a 
I, don't take what that TV show is and try to jam it into what Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons is trying to do. Well, I would simply say, if that's all you're willing to do, like, I know the rules with this one and I'm not stepping away, <laughs> I guarantee you if it's something like that, somebody else has already done the legwork. Mm, that's just, that's like, possible. Hit up the tabletop gaming Reddit for it and just find it. It doesn't there. necessarily mean it's balanced or good, though. This is true. That That's where I get, like, if you're looking for that same dynamic and you're still doing it in a fantasy world, yeah. I think that would work better oh, than being like, like we're going to be spaceships, but we're going to run it in D&D 5th Ed. And I'd be like, hold up, boys. I mean, all of your stuff revolves around fantasy and magic feats and all of that and you, all of your monsters and all of your... How do you even... What are you thinking about here? Like, if you were to rather translate that whole... You could take the whole crew of something like Firefly yeah. and translate them into a fantasy crew, which I don't necessarily recommend because some of those characters, I know from experience having played in games that are basically on that sure. crew and stuff some of those characters don't make very fun players at the table oh yeah no because, like, imagine again, playing is... the pilot in a thing where well, i'm not even talking about the pilot i'm talking about sitting across from the person playing jane or river well which yes. like you could have somebody do a good jane or river but they have to play that character in moderation. And a yeah. lot of people who, and don't get me wrong, I think they're fantastic characters for what they are in the series. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people just want to play them to the hilt, and that is disruptive to a table. Absolutely. And for the one person in the world who's listening to a podcast about tabletop role-playing who has no experience with Firefly, the two archetypes that we're basically talking about when we talk about Jane and River are the gruff mercenary who doesn't actually really get along with the rest of the crew, which, that sucks, and the battle waif who occasionally goes into, like, this fugue state where she just kills everything, and the rest of the time she's kind of a cloud cuckoo lander and just goes off and she's like, I like the pretty flowers. And we the flowers are also needles. Yeah. Or something like that. Both things work really well in very guided narrative fiction, but when you're talking about, hey, these are two of the seven people sitting at my table, that's not great. No, it's it's really not. And again, that's why I like inspiration, but like find your own thing. Yeah. And if it's starting to clash with the game master or the other players, like vision and mm -hmm. fun, you got to take a step back and look at why. Well, and... All of that said, I love stuff. Like, I I consume fiction with a passion. I hate fan fiction. <laughs> like, as, as a We're concept, gonna... I'm fine with it, and I appreciate its use for other people. I do not engage with it. I do not create <laughs> it. I do not read it. I no longer create it? And I had, oh God, let's... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with fan fiction. <laughs> I have some very, probably angry people who are still waiting me to finish one of my fan fictions. Nice. Like, we're talking, I have 
something absurd, like 200,000 words on that thing. Oh, yeah. Goodness. I was very, very sad that X-Men Evolution got canceled after season four. You know, <laughs> I can understand that. It was a good show. It was a good ending, too. Like, it was a perfect ending. And I just wanted to, like, see how we got to the flash forward. So okay. let's no longer talk about that show. Sure. <laughs> because that, uh, is, that is, yeah, that was... A... Yeah, but, like, where that, where that statement comes from mm -hmm. is I am not personally one of those people who's like... I want to play Firefly. Right. But I would like to play a Western-inspired space game where it's like, there are cowboys and spaceships. Mm -hmm. That cowboys sounds pretty neat. In spaceships. I like the idea of that. And there's... Uh... That's actually another interesting thing. If you're planning on building a campaign or a character and you really like, I like cowboys and spaceships, there's other things you can look at, too, to mm -hmm. maybe, like, broaden your inspiration instead of, like, finding yourself kind of like, well, this is how they did in Firefly, so yeah. I'm going to do it the exact same way. Well, and that's or the amazing thing about the things that inspire us and fiction in general. There is nothing new under the sun. So if one person did a thing that you think is cool, I guarantee you, if you look hard enough and in the right way, you will find somebody else who also did it in a way that is cool, and it will give you a deeper understanding mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, there are so many good Fae-inspired yeah. stories out there, all the way from, like, you could go all the way back to, like, Brothers Grimm and, mm -hmm. you know, traditional fairy tales to modern takes on that sort of thing. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files. Yeah. Like, oh, there's God, so much of that in yeah, there. Yeah, they have so much weird stuff in that one, I, I really like The Dresden Files, and that is such just a World of Darkness campaign about one character. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That's the series. Yeah. But, like, it's funny because I'm thinking of both River and the reporter character from Jim Butcher and going, don't play those characters. No. Don't play those characters. Don't play the character... Don't be inspired by it. Now, I can't put an actual stamp on don't be inspired by because, like, what inspires you yeah. is one thing or another. Well, and but there's also another side of inspiration that I want to touch on before we go. Mm -hmm. I wrote an entire novel because <laughs> of how much I hated Sword Art Online. Oh, God. Spite inspiration of like, <laughs> God, this is such a cool idea. I could do it so much better. Yeah. That, I think, is hugely legit. I Jim but, Butcher's other series, the Codex Alera, I have mm -hmm. heard. Don't quote me on this. But I, I have heard that Jim Butcher's um, Codex Alera series was basically entirely written on a drunken bet where he said to someone, you can absolutely make any concept work with good enough writing and somebody said oh yeah roman gladiators using pokemon to fight uh, the zerg that's 
an amazing concept. <laughs> well, and he went and he, I, I, I paused on Zerg because I've never actually played uh, Starcraft. that. Yeah, Starcraft. So yeah, that's that's all of the insects, right? I mean, that just they come out or the robots or whatever the, the they come out of, like, in huge the Zerg amounts. Rush is yeah. it's an incredibly cheap unit from. Is it the Protoss? God, it's been years since I played StarCraft. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But, like, I've heard the Codex Alera series was basically Jim Butcher's, like, you know, counterpoint to this drunken bet where he writes about Roman gladiators using Pokemon to fight the Zerg. And that's, like, essentially how he did that. Is it weird that that actually is the first time I've wanted to pick up those books? <laughs> hearing that? <laughs> I'm so glad. Good, good, good luck. I'm going to so hit up stuff. the library it's sometime so in the stuff. next couple of weeks. Uh. Oh, word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're pretty much out of time, and I don't know that we actually came to any conclusions on anything, but this Because was... I think we flip-flopped back and forth. I kind of like, I think the whole topic, if I may make kind of an ending statement. Summarize. I think the whole topic comes down to... You gotta do it with caution. Whether you're mm -hmm. writing a campaign or you're inserting an element or you're making a character from a very concrete inspiration, you have to take a step back. You have to look at what inspires you. You have to look at how it's going to interact with either your players, other players, your game master, like how all of that meshes before you go full-blown gung-ho on any of that. And I think that's, like, ultimately where we come from because you yeah. were very much like, I would love to put this stuff in, and I was very much like, no, don't touch it. Just love what you love, put it over here in a little box, and then do your other stuff over here in the other box. Oh, yeah. So, and we've kind of landed somewhere in the middle yeah, of exactly. this idea, like, you know, as long as you do it thoughtfully and you try to do it the best you can, here's what I'll say. Don't be afraid to be inspired, but don't feel like you need to rely on it either. Don't be shackled by inspiration. Hey, there it is. There it is. All right. Well, Caitlin, thank you for coming on the show and talking with me about this. Is there, before you go, anything you'd like to plug other than other people's very good books. Oh, you mean like my own leather crafting Etsy shop? Yeah, like that. Potentially, yeah. I'm sure everybody who listens to this already knows that I do uh, nerdy leather crafting under the name Geek Oblique. I, um, I don't like that you just reduced my audience <laughs> to only people that know you. Well, you know, I've got like, what, 200 on Instagram? You know what? That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, Geek Oblique. Yay. So you can find Geek rhyme. Oblique on Instagram and Etsy, right? Yes. And technically on Facebook, but that's just getting my Instagram feed anyway. And for so. anybody who doesn't already follow, what sort of stuff do you make? Um, soon I will have big spell books. We're going to call them grimoires actually I love um, that. but I have like little spell books for your spell cards if you're a caster. Um, I do dice bags. Uh, I'm looking at a number of other things. I just need A, more space, and B, <laughs> more time to actually do this. And sometimes C, more tools, which requires D, more money. Yeah, gotta <laughs> love that. 
And if you enjoy the show, but you don't already follow us on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook, on Tumblr and Facebook, we are dodecapodcast. That's also our email, dodecapodcast at gmail.com. And our website, dodecapodcast.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, which is the weird one, and that's at podcast dodeca. Uh, I've started posting role-playing memes on the <laughs> Facebook page. Oh no. I, How dare you. I'm a meme lord now. Oh lord. I always have been. I've just lord. kept it to other people's pages and now I'm doing it on my own. Um, but yeah, if you have an idea for a topic or a question that you would like to ask us, send me that on any of the things I just mentioned, especially dodecapodcast at gmail.com. And if you take anything that we said today to heart, I would love to hear about it. So send me those. And I think that's going to do it for us. So from all of us here at Dodecahedron, thank you for listening. Do you remember the thing? And something about coming on the adventure next time. We look forward to seeing you. On our next adventure. Next time, I'm going to make you write it down for me. You know what? That's fair. <laughs>